live on the Exeter Sports Network. It's the Exeter Basketball Roundup. A recap of the 2023 Exeter basketball season to date and a look ahead to the state playoffs. Brought to you by Penn State Health St. Joseph Medical Center on the web at PennStateHealth.org. Give us a call with your thoughts about the season at 610-451-7085. Now here are your hosts, Darren, Ian, and Nate. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Exeter Sports Network booth. Joined by Nate Govan, Ian Kelsey. I'm Darren Ziner. Jerry Gellif, our producer, as always. Ian, Nate, who knew on Friday, December 9th, with a 62-42 win over Cedar Crest, we'd go through the District 3 5A championships, bring that title home, and, of course, here we are with States. Ian, go ahead. Listen, uh, this is an amazing season that these young men have had this year so far, and it can continue as this season, this state playoff goes on. So I'm very excited to see what the future might hold. I don't think anybody knew. Uh, They might have had some high hopes and aspirations. They might have had some gut feelings, some rumblings in the gut, but nobody knew that it would turn out this way. And it's not exactly been a Cinderella season for the Eagles. You know, they've, they've come across some adversity, um, and they've grown throughout the season. So it's just a beautiful thing to watch and be a part of. In that opening win over Cedar Crest, we had some glimpses of what was to come because you take a look at the scoring. Kevin Sens had 15, Reese Garvin 13, Teddy Snyder 10. Anthony wasn't quite into the rhythm yet. That didn't happen probably till about midway through the season. He finished with four. But what it did give us is an idea of the balanced scoring that this team was capable of most certainly it it was a it was foreshadowing would be a really great word for that um because the big thing about exit is that they've got so many different players who can actually give you double figures and that's the big difference that we've seen since last season last season there were two players you know schlaufer and uh colin Payne. you know one was giving you about 18 the other one was giving you about 12 13 a game and then you know other people had eight, nine. You know, Teddy Snyder was in the mix and everything. But this year, we've got four people that are in double digits, and you can't compete. And two behind them that aren't in double digits can give it on any night. Absolutely, man. I'm, that's the, the balanced offense that they've possessed this season, and with Sands, with Reese, with, with Kachese, and he started out slow, but, man, has he really learned how to finish around the rim this so far in this season as the season went on. The Eagles start out 3-0, wins over Cedar Crest, Allentown Central Catholic, and Daniel, uh, wait a minute, let me go back here. Yeah, they beat Daniel Boone. Then the first game that put him to the test was the first game against Burks Catholic. J.J. Jordan comes out. It was a night we remember, 32 points. He drove to the hoop time and time and time again. But, Ian, it told us something because, as we know, the next time, Zion, that's where it was my defense matters, and he put a clamp down on it, and he has been solid the rest of the season. Yeah, J.J. had one heck of a night that night, and – with Zion, with Coach Ashcroft and the adjustment that they made as the season went on, and the head of the snake, which we would call Zion, and his his decision to be that guy on the defensive hand that's going to make everything go as this team goes, it, it's, it was a big part of what happened as the season went on. 
Friends, if you haven't figured it out yet, we are basically going to be talking back and forth about Exeter basketball. Of course, we're starting out with the boys. We will go to the girls. But as we've started out with the boys, they came back with a huge win, 77-30. It was over 11 in team, obviously undermanned. But it showed the resiliency of Exeter saying, okay, you know what? We had a bad game. We'll put it behind us. You have to have a short memory in sports, as you guys know. And at that point, they come out with that win, 77-30. They take Cedar Crest again. Spring forward, a tough game, lost. They should have won that one, 56-49, had the lead late. And unfortunately, we saw in a couple games, Nate, where Exeter couldn't close the deal late. They'd get a little skittish. They'd start throwing the ball around, which we'd see later on against Redding in the county championship game. But something that in that first game, they definitely learned from it. Uh, they learned from it big time. And like you brought up in the Redding game, not only did they, they turn the ball over a little bit at the end, but I also think that they were gassed a little bit at the end. I think that um, uh, their legs were just really starting to get under them after that Redding game. And Kachese, he had a he had a really good game, but he didn't have one of those high execution games that you see him have down the stretch toward the end of the year. And toward the end of the year, he did a lot better with the double teams and kicking it out, finding open men, because now, the you know, the jury was out on, on cheese. How do you defend him? Well, you front him, and then you send backside help immediately with hopes that when he catches it, there's somebody with hands that can put him on the ball right then and there and cause a turnover. But he got better with that as things went on. Absolutely. I mean, he, he did get better as, as, as the season went on. But as you said about that Redding game, their nerves and just not being able to close, and mm. and I think as as the as the playoffs went on, they started learning how to close games out, and that's what's going to make this team continue to win on their defensive end. And that first Reading game, January the third, a 65-60 Reading victory. But as you guys know, they Exeter had the lead the entire way. Mm. Anthony Cachese, probably one of the first times he asserted himself, 22 points on the night. Teddy Snyder, 12. Reese, 11. Teddy hit four threes. Reese had three. Again, Ian, they had Redding on the ropes, and if it wouldn't have been for that late collapse, Redding would have suffered their second loss up to that point. They had full control of that game the whole game. And it's, and it was just like the first championship game. It's the fourth quarter and not being able to close out and having those important turnovers right underneath your basket, which you cannot have in critical parts of the game. Well, and I think another thing that's worth mentioning, Zion Paschal only had four points that game. And what it said to me is that, you know, he and Cheese have to play well together. In my opinion, when I when I look at this team, um, you know, they, they're like a well-oiled machine. They're like a car or your favorite truck, you know, um, Cheese is the engine by far, right? He's he's the hard work, the gears, the mechanic, the mechanics of the machine. But Zion Paschal is like the oil that keeps the engine running smooth. And then you throw in all these additional pieces, you know, Kevin Sins, you know, Reese Garvin, Alex Kelsey, Teddy Snyder, and then they're just the the additional bells and whistles that make the car comfortable and a commodity to have by everybody. So those two players. Cheese and Zion have to play well together, and you would see that toward the rest of the season, and it paid dividends too. January 16th, I'm going to call it a landmark win for Exeter. 
They go to Muhlenberg. They beat Muhlenberg 57-50. And ultimately, you know, they've got Muhlenberg had a few scores. And here's where Exeter's defense, Ian, starts to assert themselves. Sure, Josh Alcantara had 15, but no other mule in double figures. And we know they've got several who average double figures. Uh, taking a look at the scoring for Exeter, Zion had 17, Reese 13, Teddy 12. And as we mentioned, it became a staple for not just the one guy in doubles, but two, three, and four. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, they, they kept Danny, Dan, Danny uh, Mascarera to three points in that game. They controlled the whole tempo of that game just by being how physical they were on defense and just being up in those guards' face. They had no space to work. And just, like, okay, the whole season we've been talking about being balanced on offense, not having one guy and the unselfish play that they've been playing. And they just continued it as the season went on, and they just kept on getting better and better and better. So as they pile the wins up, the next landmark win, of course, the first Burks Catholic a 10-point loss. On February the 2nd, they take a 49-45 game at Burks Catholic. It was a contentious Lloyd Wolf Stadium. But, Nate, one of those where the defense came to play, J.J. was frustrated. He couldn't drive the lane that game. And ultimately, Anthony comes up with 27 points. <laughs> Ryan Cook is the one with double figures, the only Saint in double figures with 12. And again, here's that little stepping stone, but a landmark win for Exeter. Well, and that game was one of the best games we had seen uh, up until that point in time in Berks County, you know, by far. The energy in the building was there. It was a packed house. It was crazy. And if I recall correctly, the JV team was just coming off an overtime loss to Burke's Catholic JV. So the, the tension in the air was already there. You could cut through it with a butter knife. But that game really showed that, number one, Exeter can play defense. They can shut down, you know, Burke's Catholic's all-time leading score. I mean, that, that counts for something. And it also showed that other people can do some things and get some things done. Cheese did have 27. Um, Zion had eight. Yeah. Kevin had eight. So, I mean, no. Other people needed to contribute, but they still got it done with Cheese almost scoring 30 points. And if you can do that with your big man, you're going to be hard to stop regardless. So, Exeter and Burks Catholic, of course, one more time. Uh, ultimately, Exeter coming out on the positive side of a 59-45 score. But in that game, again, Anthony Cachesing. In fact, this was, I think, Jerry, you're listening. This was, we had interviewed Anthony Cachesing after that game. He got the phantom offensive foul called, and as he exclaimed <laughs> it after the game, I think I pushed my butt out too far. <laughs> that was his fourth foul? It, it was at the time, yeah. One of those we thought you know, that was going to be critical, like you said, 27 points in that game. And he goes out of the game, and the complexion changes entirely. And there were a couple times, guys, that Anthony had four or Reese had four or Zion had four that, you know, Coach Ashcroft felt comfortable enough keeping him in there, Ian. And let's face it, you know, the one game uh, Reese fouls out, then Zion fouls out. He's got Jaden Ware in there, a freshman who came and came through in the clutch, but you've got to have a lot of faith in those guys to do that. It's, it's really nerve-wracking when your big 
big and like like um, Nate just said, your engine gets in foul trouble <laughs> early in the game, and you're going to halftime. You already have three fouls, and you're looking around like, oh my gosh! I'm like, if he picks up the number four, we're in deep crap, you know. And but he's a smart basketball player, and he doesn't be even with I'm coaches saying, hey Devin, get in there. Anthony will say, no, I'm gonna play smart. I'm gonna be on the floor, and I'm gonna be that guy that make. If, I'm gonna ride with me, okay? And we're gonna win or lose with me. And that really speaks to the maturity of Anthony Cachese. Like I talked about earlier, he's not the same cheese as he was coming into Game One. That growth, that maturity, that I'm the man out here syndrome. Mm-hmm. He's really taken that mantle and worn it well uh, toward the end of the season. And it's those types of things that is going to carry them deep in the states. So the very next game is against Reading for the county championship. And, yeah, if you talk to an Exeter fan or an Exeter player or even Coach Ashcroft, for the first 27 and a half minutes, you have the lead. Reading goes literally an 18-0 run to close out the game, to take the game by seven. And, of course, if Exeter doesn't have that mini meltdown, they're county champs, too, and you know, Nate, that, that's one of those where you learn from it. Jerry, you definitely learn from it. You know what? We're going to bring Jerry into it just because we can. So, Jerry, 70-63 Reading. So, so was it a mini meltdown, Darren? Is that what it was? Or, I mean, seriously, what is the thing that we keep saying about it? We keep saying that it was hometown officials. And I got more confirmation of that this week, speaking to somebody. I don't remember who actually I do, but I'm not going to throw them under the bus. <laughs> Smart move. But, but they told me that they were uh, they were talking to somebody else, like an old timer, an old timer Brooks County basketball. Player. And they said, "Oh, you, you're, you're, you're from Exeter. Oh, you know what? You won that game. You guys won that game. They just didn't give it to me." I, I was not there. I was frolicking around in the Caribbean, so I did not. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, I became, you know, Mister Vacation, not you know, whatever. But needless to say, something that I think is very telling about that game with what Jerry's talking about with the fouls, Redding attempting 46 free throws, Exeter 10. So that would tell you something, too. And, you know, it goes to say as far as the officials, they know what they're going to get from Redding's defense. They know that press defense. The hands are going to come all over the place because, let's face it, guys, you know, we saw it all year long, whether it was Exeter, whether it was Berks Catholic, a lot of slapping and what have you, and they just let let the play yeah, go. Play. That was a game where they called it really tight, and obviously if you're going to do that, it's it's kind of surprising. Tight against Exeter, but Redding able to kind of go at will. So I've said it all year long. I hate to point to officiating or a couple calls, mm-hmm. and I know I did say a mini meltdown only <laughs> because – to allow them to go on an 18-0 run means you didn't score either. So I'm going to say there was some participation on both sides there. But again, I think it's in something that Exeter learned from to say, hey, we've got to finish these games. It's absolutely something that they learned from because the next game that they played against uh, um, Shippensburg, I'm, I, I went up to the players and I'm like, how do you guys feel? Because I know that's a big loss to lose the county the way that they did because even after that even after the bad free throws well we got a call we got a live one. Oh, we got a call let's Pick go it baby up. let's go let's hear it love the interaction hello you're live with nate ian and darren 
Hi, Nate. How you doing? This is Harper from Reading. Hey, Harper. How you feeling? Good, thanks. I want to talk a little uh, Exeter basketball, if that's all right. Harper, go get it, baby. We love to have you. Thank you for interacting with the show today. Excellent. So I've, I've probably watched about 10 of their basketball games this year. Uh, a lot of them in the beginning of the season, and most recently probably five or six the end of the season. Um, most recently their last district uh, championship playoff game. And you really got to tip your cap to this coaching staff. I mean, he's got these guys absolutely prepared for every game. They're in better shape than every team they play. And then on top of that, the player development has just been fantastic. A lot of these guys are just different players than they were at the beginning of the season. Most notably, uh, a guy like Zion Pascal and uh, mm-hmm. Casey come to mind. They're just completely head and shoulders better players than they were in the beginning of the year. It's just great to watch the young men grow. Harper, you are absolutely right. When With Coach Ashcroft and the adjustment that he can make after halftime with these young men, it's really impressive, and, and he has grown with them as they have grown along the season. Harper, one of the things that you mentioned, and we interviewed several of the kids after games, and the one thing that they talk about is coach runs us, runs us, runs us. We know we're in better shape than they are, and certainly we talk I'm, about... I'm really having a hard time hearing you. Oh, having a hard time hearing me. We'll uh, we'll try something else here. How's that sound, Harper? Anybody? I, I, I can't really make out anything you're saying. Okay. Hey, hey Harp. That's all right. Let's, let's move on. And, uh, Harper, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. Much love. Continue listening to the show. And Harper made some, some really good points about the coaching staff and, and the player development and Ashcroft's ability to, you know, make adjustments on the fly. You know, when people – the game plan is always take away cheese – and probably put pressure on the ball handlers and force somebody else for Exeter to beat you. And Ashcroft has, night after night, answered the bell on that. That is something we saw progress. We didn't necessarily see it early in the season, Ian, the inside-out game. They, they had to learn. They had to get that rapport as far as giving that entry pass to Anthony inside. Oftentimes it was rushed earlier in the season. It would be too quick. Maybe in a spot Anthony couldn't get it and go right up off the glass. About mid-season, they started clicking, and that's when we started seeing Anthony taking charge of games, putting it off the glass, and coming up with 20-plus points they, a night. Absolutely, Darren. They absolutely were. They were just trying to seem like they were just trying to rush the entry pass instead of being patient, moving the ball, let Anthony move from side to side so they can get a better entry pass, but they were trying to rush everything. Then they started slowing everything down and seeing where the defender is coming from and, and keeping the man off his backside that's going to be dropping in his lap. And, and that's exactly how they, they got to be this team that they are right now. And to Ian's point, that's, that's what Exeter does. Can they, are they in shape, to, to Harper's point as well? Yeah, they're in shape. Ashcroft works them out. They can run, no question asked, but their game is to settle down, half-court set, get it into the big man as your first option. If that doesn't execute, play breaks down, do what you got to do or reset. But, man, good job by them. Something else Harper mentioned, and it is a big, big deal with me, is adjustments, halftime adjustments. If you're getting smoked somewhere, I was a little concerned in the Milton Hershey game because Sweeney kept driving, 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 and it didn't look like they were giving him any help there in the second. But for the most part during this year, the adjustments that they've made at halftime, they've come out in the third quarter so many times, outscoring their opponent in several times double digits. And at that point, you cannot 
put a price tag. So I agree. Great job with the coaching staff. You can't put a price tag on any of the things that they have done. I'm like, to be 23 and six as the season is progressing. I mean, yeah, they had some a couple of losses there. That I feel as though that they should have won, but just the way that they are able to put all the bad losses behind them and move forward is just credit to the coaches, credit to the kids for being tough mentally. So they come out. We're going to finish up the regular season 19-6, and six, and ultimately we head into the District 3 5A playoffs. They start off against Shippensburg, and this was one of those, no doubt about it, 72-47. From beginning to end, they came out, they asserted themselves, and, Nate, they showed us what they're capable of. Yeah, most definitely. 72-47, uh, to 47, they put Shippensburg on the grill. You know, they got cooked. It is what it is, you know. Stick a fork in them. They were done. They were tender. But, again, when, you are, when you're the better team, you should go out and, and beat a team handedly like this, you know. There's some times where you got to show up and you got to look presidential if you're going to be the president. And they look presidential that night. And, you know, Ian, I'll let you go because I see you pointing at it. Go ahead and talk about the points that day. Okay. There were, like you said, four guys and Teddy Snyder – who has been struggling with his jumper the pretty much the whole end of the season, trying to get his jumper going right. Led us with 18 points, 15 by Anth- by Zion. We had uh, Anthony with 11. We had uh, Kevin with 14. Look, and I was nervous about that game because it was a tough loss after that Reading game. It was a tough that was a tough loss. And and but the way that they came and they were just mentally just we're okay. We're ready to go. Let's let's go. We, let's go win this district title. And that's what exactly what they did. And if you just talk about their defense a little bit, you look at the stat sheet uh, for Shippensburg. Uh, one player in double figures, Chamberlain with 14. Nobody else had more than seven points. So that's just lockdown defense. And there's there's no substitution for a hand in your face and ball pressure. And they delivered it that night, Darren. The key with Chamberlain, too, he had four threes. They left him alone. About 6'4", I think the kid is, but ultimately can shoot from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Exeter didn't get a hand in his face. He had four three open threes, literally beyond, you know, straight back from free throw line, and he drilled them. But so that was something, too, where as they learned in these other games with Groob, of course, uh, Mannheim Central, and Thomas with the Hershey game, get a hand in their face, force them to drive, because at that point, Anthony Cachese is going to make them alter their shot, which was just great to see on numerous occasions so we go into that Hershey game this one was a nail biter you talk about and we we said it on the telecast the gutty gritty win 50-46 against Hershey uh, Milton Hershey yep Mif- yeah, that's okay. right Milton Hershey well let's see this the second one wait a minute I'm let me get the uh, the right game up yeah, here. Mil- Milton Hershey first and then Hershey. Yeah, Milton Hershey. I'm going to Hershey. Hershey, the 50. Oh, that's right. I just skipped over the Milton Hershey game. <laughs> this one, okay, let's let's do that one. That one never in doubt. 80-58, the point high for Exeter on the season. And this was one where, again, you take a look at the scoring, and it's exactly what you would expect. Teddy, 19 points, five threes. Kevin sends 17, Anthony 16, Zion 12. You get that kind of scoring, and it's <laughs> tough to beat. It's absolutely tough to beat. You, I mean, when, you, when you have maybe the fifth 
best scorer on your team or the fourth best scorer on your team is in, in Teddy Snyder. And he comes out, and they're trying to drop in Anthony's lap, and he's just bombing away, bombing away. Guess what? You're going to have to come out and guard me. Now the big man can go and do, handle his business and get to work. So that's, that's exactly how they played, and, and that's, they just destroyed that team. And, Nate, we, we talked about – we actually talked with Coach Matt Ashcroft. Mm-hmm. And in this game, he said number one was to cut down their guard, Larry Anabonwo. He was going to drive to the net, make him a non-factor, and essentially that's what they did. He, he comes up with 16, but I think he had maybe five in the first half, ultimately salting it away. But again to the point where Coach Ashcroft and team have come up with great game plans time after time. And another one, yes, I know they're going to say Malachi Thomas at 24, but that was basically street ball in the fourth quarter where clear out, let <laughs> him go time against. minutes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, one of those, it looked better than it was. But again, Nate, a situation where give the coaching staff credit because they knew that they had a great game plan going into it and credit to the players they executed. And, you know, they executed and the players stayed focused. They didn't get too sloppy. You know, they didn't look past the next opponent. They handled the task that was in front of them. And that's what you have to do in the playoffs where you're supposed to be playing your best basketball. You want your team sharp, poised, and ready to go come playoff time. And the Eagles appear to be such. So now I will go to the gutty, gritty 50-46 win over Hershey. And it was exactly that in that first half. Hershey having an eight-point lead, and as Coach Ashcroft told us in the interview after the game, against a slow-paced team like Mm -hmm. Hershey, that's like being down 16, Mm -hmm. and it felt that way. Ian, it it really did because it was we were waiting for that engine to go, but give Hershey credit. The defense kept them out at the perimeter. They were fronting Anthony. They'd bring the double on the backside, and for a half, it worked. Yeah, we were sputtering. We were spinning our wheels. We were sputtering the whole time and just trying to get our foot in, to, in, in that game. And Sweeney was just, man, he was just putting his, his, <laughs> his, his shoulder in our chest. He was just working us hard. And But somehow, some way, you have Zion and Alex foul out of that game. Ouch. You know, Ouch. and then you bring the young kid, Jaden Ware, who gets two deflections and make a free throw, critical free throw at the end of that game. Man, I was like, that is ballsy move, coach. But he, somehow they figure a way to cut, close that game out, man. And to Ian's point, you, you talk about a freshman, Jaden Ware. Uh, it, it just you have to mention the freshman this year and their contributions mm-hmm. to the game. Uh, Aiden Dobble comes in. He spells the big man. And he's impactful. I believe he's currently at 3.6 points a game right now is his average, but it doesn't show how well he goes out there and he rebounds. You know, he gets a lot of offensive rebounds. He gets put back. He shoots from three, so he stretches the floor as well, too. And then when you talk about a player like Jaden Ware, who's able to come in in crunch time in the playoffs, make key free throws, and one of the best things that he does is his defensive anticipation of the lane. He really creates a lot of turnovers, and we'll see a lot of that in the years to come with him. Without a doubt. And, of course, this was a game we were typically accustomed to several games prior to that as far as Exeter having multiple three and four in double figures. This is where Zion and Anthony put them on their back, 32 of the 50 points, 16 apiece. 
and they were basically saying, we will not be denied. We've got another game to play, and Ian, that's what they showed up for. That senior leadership really came through that night because when everything else was not going right, those seniors are like, we are not going home. We're not going to lose in our own building, and it's not going to happen on our watch. We're going to make it through, and we're going to do whatever it takes to get there. And that's a, a perfect point, a perfect segue to what I'm thinking. So earlier I talked about for them to really win and go deep, Cheese and Zion have to play well together. You can't really have them both be off. And what I think is important about those two double-digit double digit figures in that game is it was a close game. Mm-hmm. So when the pressure is on, everybody knows pressure bust pipes. Mm-hmm. But when it's crunch time, who's stepping up? You need your bona fide leaders to step up, and that's what happened there. So what that tells me is that they are mentally tough to go deep into states, and that's what you want out of your senior leadership. Two things I'll say about that game. One about Zion Paschal in the third quarter where he hit that one, that leaning basic <laughs> off his left foot. He had somebody on him, gives him a shoulder fake, gets him in the air. He hits it at the buzzer. They go up to 34-32, and it gave him momentum going into that fourth quarter where they come out and outscore or match him 16-14, and ultimately, again, 50-46. That's the first one. The second one, I'll say, is Teddy Snyder. You mentioned the senior leadership. That's right. He drives on the left-hand side late in the game. It's where either you're teetering. I think they got within... Probably, I think, uh, two or something Mm -hmm. like that. He drives left, manages to get a shot up. He's actually looking to dish it off to Anthony. Gets fouled, puts a shot up. It falls. He hits the one for a three-point, puts him back up to five, and it closed it out for him, Ian. And and talk about a momentum killer if you're Hershey. For a guy that, uh, in Teddy, who hadn't played pretty much that whole game, Mm. okay, he came back in after... Alex fouled out, and he came, and he drove to the baseline, got that, got that shot off, made a shot, got a foul, and got to the free throw line. And made, for He's really mentally tough also because I, to be sitting on the bench that long and coach say, get off the bench, I need to get in there, and to maybe able to make a play, he's strong. And you would say, if you look at the stat sheet now, I didn't see that game because I was uh, working Burks Catholic that day, and then we went, uh, Ryan and I went back to do the girls. But if you just look at the stat sheet, you would say, oh, man, you know, Teddy Snyder, one field goal, one free throw, one free throw attempt, three points. You would think, ah, he didn't really show up. He didn't contribute. No, sir, that's not the case. The boy showed up at the biggest time possible. And to Ian's point, that's senior leadership. That's gutsy. That's what you want going into the playoffs. And hopefully a lot of these young guys, Darren, are watching, you know, because their time is coming soon. The future is coming faster than we think. So the future that was directly in front of us last Thursday, March 2nd, the Giant Center, Hershey, Pennsylvania, the District 3 5A championship. And after a close first quarter tied at 13, Mm -hmm. Exeter put their foot on the gas. They outscore the Barons 19 to 10. And at that point, the route was on. They match him 14-12 in the third, outscore him 23-16. But once after that first quarter, Ian Exeter just said, this is our game. You were waiting. It's one of those Trey Grube, 
you know, he's a 1,700-point scorer, I think, right now. He's averaging 22 or maybe 18 or something like that a game. You were waiting for him to break free, but the defense, the defense, Zion Paschal, Kevin Sens, Alex Kelsey, those guys put a perimeter up. Yes, he hit a few of threes late, you know, long bombs, that kind of thing, but he never allowed the Barons to get into their offensive set. Listen, the way that... Coach Ashcroft played because he switched. He put Zion, started Zion on him. Then he put Alex on him. Now you, then you throw Kevin there for a little bit. Then you, then you switch back. I'm like, you have so many different looks and so many different defenders that poor group didn't even know what to do. You know, because I mean, he has so many different guys running at him and just up in his chest, up in his airspace, keen to get a shot off, and he just struggled the whole night. And if he doesn't go for for my Manheim Central. That team's not going to go anywhere because they have nobody else to score for that team. And, Nate, we were talking about scoring. You take a look at Exeter that night. Of course, Anthony Cachese, he was there all night long. They had absolutely no answer for him. The beautiful dish inside as far as the post. And he, he was getting it in a spot where he could go right up to the basket, off the glass, and score over and over and over. Finishes 11 field goals, 22 points. But here we go. Kevin sends 12. Reese Garvin. Let's talk about Reese Garvin in a second. He had 11, Zion Paschal 10. Go back to Reese. He's out for a good – he gets injured in the county championship game early right. in that game. He's got a, a fairly bad leg injury. He's in a boot. He gets cleared the day before. <laughs> and, Nate, he comes out 11 points, 10 rebounds, yeah. and a huge factor in this game. Oh, man, they probably put the kid in the uh, hyperbolic chamber. Is that what T.O. was in? <laughs> but before I go uh, further into that – Hey, you guys listening out there, you can call in and have this conversation with us. Be a part of the action. 610-451-7085. 610-451-7085. But, yeah, Reese Garvin, way to show up, right? Way to show up when you need it. And, of course, once again, when you have all of these players in double digits, 10, 12, 11, 22, it's hard to compete with that. Most other teams don't have the depth on their roster to really hang around with a team of that caliber. And um, it's, it's just it's just the best thing in the world to see. I'm glad we have it on our side and we're not in a reverse situation. Hey, and I'll add Alex Kelsey to it as well. He added seven big points, and when he's out there, he brings in energy. He brings uh, as far as that defensive prowess as well. So add him to the mix. And again, it threw off the Barons as far as their offense, and they could never get it going. No, listen. When you have two guys that can be up up top and be able to switch off on anything and guard anyone, it's just it's really an impressive thing for them to, to be able to do. With Alex and Zion, I'm like, the kid has played, the young man has played well all season. I'm like, being being the backup on the on that team to behind Zion, it's really carried, and and it's really worked out. Looking over at producer Jerry as he, I'm not exactly sure what kind of look I'm getting right now. It's almost like he's got the microphone. He's ready to say something. Taryn, why don't we tell everybody where we are? We are at the Exeter Senior High Gymnasium where Exeter, am I allowed to say that much? Absolutely, yeah. Uh, all right, Absolutely. I had to make sure. And it still is Hempfield. Is that my understanding? Correct. All right, mm -hmm. so... Exeter playing a scrimmage against Hempfield currently. They're up 33-29. There's nine and a half minutes to go in the third. So, yes, obviously we're not calling the game. 
But we are giving you the Exeter basketball roundup. And there's a three from Alex Kelsey. Mm, he hits it nasty. deep. We'll, we'll go ahead and give it, give you that much. <laughs> 36-29, Exeter. 9.09 to go in the third. So while we give you that information, we are going to take a quick break. We're going to be back with more of the Exeter basketball roundup on the Exeter Sports Network. We'll be right back. sports count on penn state health sports medicine to help you get back to doing what you love weekend warriors and pro athletes get complete care from our skilled sports medicine providers they'll help you avoid future injuries with a treatment and recovery plan tailored to you same day and next day appointments available call penn state health sports medicine at 610-378-2255 that's 610-378-2255 the new Birdies Inn is your entertainment spot next. There's something happening every day of the week at Birdies. Dancing to the oldies on Monday. Open mic Tuesday. Trivia or live music on Wednesday. Thursday is karaoke with Angie and live music on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Entertainment galore, great food, and the friendliest people in Berks County. The new Birdies Inn, 160 Old Friedensburg Road in Exeter. It's the in thing to do. This is the Exeter Sports Network on Jerry Gelliff Media. So I got to make sure I'm on the right tab here. So the boys overall 23 and 6. We just went through the season ultimately becoming the District 3 5A champs. And I'll tell you what, guys, that game wrapping it up was one of those where you don't want to get excited too quickly because uh, unfortunately a few things happened earlier in the year toward the end not saying that Mannheim Central has the defense or the press that Redding does but it's one of those where you just don't want to get ahead of yourself and (laughs) I remember calling it's like all right stay calm don't go crazy Mm -hmm. because you know anything can happen at any given time but needless to say they put that to rest and we could certainly enjoy their championship with them so now let's talk about our individual players because and it all starts with Anthony Cachese, the big guy in the middle. And guys, when you look at his numbers all year long, of course, he averages 13.3 a game. But since January 24th, beginning with that Conrad Weiser game, he's averaging 17 a game, 14 straight double figure games. Of course, the rebounding has been absolutely stout, but over but again halfway through the season is where things really started to click in and he would just get it turn and the double digits would pile up well um, whatever coaches were working on him in practice and and not dribbling too much just getting the ball get a quick turn and go to the basket and he just learned and just and everything just clicked at one time and this it just started flowing for him like quick turn grab ball go up quick turn no dribble go up and Man, he just he just took off from that. Crazy. For 14 double-digit <laughs> games in a row? I mean, that is that is 
Superman-like, mm. right? At this level here, to go out there and be that much of a factor, to be that much of a workhorse for your program says a lot about that young man and, like Ian said, how hard he's been working in practice. I tell my son all the time, I can tell what you're doing in practice by how you play in the game, son. You know, the eye in the sky does not lie. And what we're seeing from Anthony Cachese really stems back to that. The core values that they preach in practice, how hard they're working, and the coaching that they're getting. And what you talked about earlier, Darren, was the ability for the guards to allow Cheese to set up, get into that spot. You know, Ian talked about it. But ball placement on the right hand, ball placement in the air where either Anthony has one dribble, one good power dribble, or he has no dribble. He turns, pivots, Mm -hmm. and hits the square. That's what it's all about. But it takes time and patience to make all of that run together and be synchronized. Ian, we talk about it. Anthony saved his best for the tough games. The February 2nd win over Berks Catholic, 27 points. He comes back, repeats that. February the 15th with 27, and then, of course, in the championship game, he's got 22. Man, listen, this young man, I know he's going to Delaware for football, but um, and, and, we're, and I didn't expect him to play again this year after he got his scholarship, but his dad was like, he's playing. He's going to play his senior season. That's right. But the work that he has put in is just it's just unbelievable, Mike. 27 at Burks, at Burks Catholic, and you, you come back again and you put up another 27, and then you, at 27 and 12, 27 and 13, and either rebounding and everything else and the block shots that, he, that he's worked on all season. It's just, I, I really give him a lot of credit. And not to forget, you know, he's 6'7", 280 pounds. He's not really getting a whole lot of calls out there, you guys. Like, just let's just be honest, man. You know, he's getting hacked, man. You see this kid after the game. He's whelped up. He's bruised, you know. And he gets beat up out there night in and night out. And he doesn't always get the calls. So to still put up those kind of numbers, knowing you're not getting the calls. And what we didn't look at, I'd like to analyze a little bit further, his free throw shooting has been pretty decent as well, too. For a big man, most big men aren't. Uh, exquisite free throw shooters, but he does very well, Darren. Yeah, he does, and mentioning that, he hit 40 of 53 on the year. More importantly, 5 of 5 in that championship Come game. On, as a team, as a team, Exeter 15 <laughs> of 17 from the line. We've been talking about their struggles all year long, maybe having two 70 percenters uh, in yeah. the lineup, and they came and ultimately sealed it from the free throw line, Ian, late in that game. Look here. It's just like the Reading game. I'm like, even though the, the, the foul calls were lopsided in that game, if we had made our one-on-ones, mm-hmm. we missed three one-on-ones straight in a row. And if we had made a couple of those, we probably would have closed that game out. But we've been struggling all season, but at the right time in the championship game and, and going into the play, into the playoffs, and I'm like, Jaden Ware coming in, the young fellow coming in and making his layup, that is... That's just keep on keeping your head straight down and keep working, keep working, keep working. Nate, speaking to what you said, I saw, I think it was on Netflix, HBO Max, whatever it was, but an interview with Shaquille O'Neal. And Anthony Cachese is in the same place. When Shaquille came on the scene in college, they didn't know how to ref him because he was just (laughs) so so big, so strong, Mm -hmm. so powerful. Mm -hmm. That's Anthony Cachese. He comes into a high school program 
they don't know. They've never seen this before. They don't know how to ref him. So, yeah, he's going to get smacked around, and the reason is, well, he's 6'7", 280, he can take it. It's still a foul, but obviously, you know, he would have to uh, absorb a lot of that punishment. So we've talked about Anthony Cachese. We'll go now to Kevin Sens. We've got a couple 11. Actually, we'll talk about Kevin and Reese. Uh, they both average 11, but talking about Kevin Sens, his offense really came about as the season progressed. I don't think early in the season he necessarily knew what his role would be. I think they were trying to figure out who was going to be the true leader of the team. And as time have, has gone along, Kevin's been one of those guys, Nate. He's stepped up, ultimately his length on defense, and he's one of those guys, he'll set the tone. He's got the athleticism to put some points on the board, too. Kev is just silky smooth, you know? Um, his game is, especially the more he kind of settles down and let the game come to him, he can do a little bit of everything. He can take you off the dribble. He can shoot from outside. He has a little mid-range game. And he's also unselfish. He's not a gunner. You know, he will pass the ball. And not only that, but he is truly the, the second option on the team, in my opinion. You know, after Cheese, you go to you go to Kevin, then you go to Zion. But um, if you look at his points, you know, 15 points against Cedar Crest, 9 against Central Catholic, 12 against Daniel Boone, a big outing, 21 points against Burks Catholic back there on December 22nd. And it really shows and proves that he can be the man if he wants to, but his team doesn't need him to be the man. They need him to contribute and do all the other little things that he does, specifically with his defense. Ian, something that we found not only with Kevin, but some of the other players, as we'll talk about, as far as Teddy and maybe Zion, it's an unselfish team. Mm -hmm. Sometimes a little bit too unselfish because... Kevin can probably put up, yeah, he's putting up 11. He could probably put up a few more a night. Seriously. <laughs> but he'll drive and he'll dish it as opposed to maybe take that 8, 10-foot jumper. So at that point, it's good to see, but sometimes it hurts too. It absolutely hurts. I'm like, even, in, even in the championship game, I'm like, we're sitting there and they're announcing the game and we, we have them in the middle of the paint and they're passing the ball like, okay, I, I, I know you guys want to be on selfish, <laughs> but come on. I'm like, Shoot the ball. I'm like, so it, it's just, he's just been a really complimentary player to the rest of the guys. I'm like, I, I think that he should be a little bit more aggressive um, on, on the offensive end because I think he has great skill. And, and if he starts going downhill, and it's going to free up a lot of guys to get open shots. And he's at 6'3 now. He puts a few more inches for next year. Look out. You're talking to 6'5, 6'6. Post player forward. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that can that can handle the ball and mm. move, Darren. Wow, cut it out, <laughs> cut it out. And to to Ian's point, where he was just saying, "Hey, dude, shoot the ball a little bit more." I've had similar conversations with Zion last year after watching him, and I would I would tease him, and I would say, "Hey, Z, man, you got Ben Simmons syndrome, bro. What, what is going on, man? Shoot the rock." And I'm glad to see him and Kev too. That's a sign of maturity now, that confidence that they have in themselves and that Coach Ashcroft has in them as well. Mm. So we will move on to Reese Garvin. He averages 11 points a game. And here's a, a kid from a year ago. If you would have told me maybe what to expect this year as a junior, Ian, I'm not quite sure I would do. I would be able to say he'll be aggressive as a rebounder. He can put up a three-point shot. 
Talk about progression of a player over the year. I mean, he certainly, he came out early and showed us what he can do, and, and it set the tone for the rest of the year. Reese is just one of those players that him and Alice have been playing together since they were in first grade. So they, they, they know how to play along with each other. Mm -hmm. But he's just grown. I'm like, and his arms just like, I don't know what kind of damn arms this kid has, but <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps it just keeps stretching with the way that he played on defense, the way he played on offense, the way that he shot the ball, um, the way that he rebound. It's, it's just been a because it helps out Anthony a lot that he doesn't have to do all that extra work down there about the rebounding duty and scoring duty. So Reed's just been he's just been a blessing, man. I'm like, he's a he's a great kid. He he's a great shooter. He's a great rebounder, and, and he's selfless. So that's what the kind of team that you need, player that you need. And, Nate, certainly he'll be back next year, one of the leaders of this team. So certainly something for him to look forward to. Yeah, pick your poison. Do you want to deal with Reese? you want to deal with Kev? Um, do you want to deal with one of the new up-and-coming freshmen? And we've got sophomores um, coming back that are pretty talented, too. Genuine Stutzman. You know, you got Brady Murray out there. Uh, Aiden McGee is coming back. Um, you know, there's there some, some young players that are going to be good and give this program more and more depth, and that's what you want to see moving into the future. We'll move to Zion Paschal. Of course, he's averaging 10 a game, but the more we talk <laughs> about him, not only the defense has always been there, all right? He's our lockdown guy, whoever you have, but his offense Ian, his offense has come a long way, and it is as smooth a jumper as you'll see. That screen and roll up top, and he pulls up from that elbow, from that free throw line elbow shot, man, it's silky smooth right now. And, and like like Nate said earlier, I told him all last year, shoot the ball. <laughs> shoot the, shoot rock, the ball, man. man. <laughs> I'm like, listen, I'm, I understand Colin, they want Colin Payne to have the ball, but to open up the game and to play good team basketball, your point guard cannot be inefficient. You mm -hmm. need a point guard that's able to hit a jumper and do all these extra things, not just pass the ball, just give it to, to Colin Payne. But I'm like, this year, man, that jumper from that free, and, and even his three-point shot is just looks so silky smooth. But I, I, well, we also knew that he could do that a long time ago. And Nate, 10 of the last 12, Zion in double figures, saves the best for last 20 in that county championship game against Reading. He has, he has set the, the bar high all season long, and he continues to do so. Sound like a broken record, but playing your best ball late in the season is, is what counts, and, and those are the signs of, of a true champion uh, when, when you see that happen. And for, for Zion, I don't have his assist stats, mm. so let's talk <laughs> about that mm. briefly because when you talk about you can't really talk about Anthony Cachese dropping 27 points without talking about his primary source that feeds him, and that's Zion. So Zion is he's so important to this team because he is the quarterback. You know, he, he sees the floor better than anybody. He slows down the pace, and he regulates things. And, you know, when he's playing well, everybody's playing well and that's something to really focus on so we will move to teddy snyder and we'll uh, also talk about alex kelsey teddy one of those guys where when he's on he has about a sw as sweet of a three-point shot as you'll see in the county he did struggle 
a little bit in the middle part of the season, but he came out when it counted. You take a look, he had 19 against Milton Hershey, those five threes, where if he doesn't pick them up, Ian, it could be a different story. It absolutely could be a different story because Milton Hershey did not want that ball to get on the inside at all. They were sitting down three and four guys in his lap, and they were mm. daring us to shoot the ball. Yep. And Teddy was like, okay, well, you're going to dare me to shoot. Give me open, wide open looks. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hit five of them in your face. Now you got to come out. So he came out, and he was aggressive on that night, and then he was aggressive the next game. And look, Eric, like I said, the kid's a tough kid. I'm like, because I'm like, he's been through a lot of struggles. I'm like, the jumper, the, the, the jumper doesn't feel right. He's struggling with his shot, and like, I know he's frustrated, but when the time counted, he definitely came through. And Nate, Teddy, the game before Shippensburg, 18. In those two games, the first two playoff games, Shippensburg, Milton Hershey, nine threes between mm. the two. So you want to talk about having that inside-outside presence? To open up Anthony, Teddy was the man in those games. Well, you know, you got to have it, man. When you have an outside shot, defenses have to play you honest. You know, everybody wants to paint protect and just guard cheese because they figure they take him away and they can stop us. But mm -hmm. guys like Teddy, guys like Kev, guys like Reese, who can be assassins from outside, mm -hmm. just bona fide sharpshooters, who, who do you play? And then what that really does is, you can't hide somebody defensively. So if if Milton Hershey had a weak link on their defensive side of the ball, what Teddy and those guys do exposes that and puts extra pressure on that man, and it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough out there. We'll talk about Alex Kelsey, Aiden Dauble. Alex comes out. He brings that energy. I know, Ian, I don't have to tell you that. So I'm going to talk to Nate about Alex, and I'll let you handle Aiden. How's that sound? Nice, nice. So, so Nate, Alex comes in. He averages five, but yep. he's capable of double figures on any given night if, if ultimately he's called upon to do that. But from a standpoint of the energy, and I'll say on the office, offensive and defensive sides of the ball, He's the kind of guy you're looking for. If maybe you're you're slacking a little bit, you're a little sluggish perhaps, bring him in and he changes the tempo of the game. Man, Alex is just a big ball of energy, man. You know, he he never he never has to turn it on. It's always on. He's always ready to go. And defensively, what he brings to the Exeter Eagles is just irreplaceable because he can defend, you know, really one through four because he's that physical you know most power forwards at this level right now he can body up with a one-on-one -on -one. when you look at the kid out there in the court like look at his arms right now he's cut up you would think he plays football but that just shows you the kind of work that he's been putting in over the years and over the offseason and he's taking care of his body you know he's really cherishing his temple but you know able to give you double figures on any any given night 10-point outing against Boone, you know, 10-point outing against Twin Valley, 11 points against Manhattan Township, uh, 9 points against Shippingburg. So on any given night, he can score too. But I think defensively, he's one of the best on the team, hands down. He can literally lock down your number one, number two option if you give him a chance to. He absolutely can. I'll call him Zion Paschal 2.0. Yep. He absolutely <laughs> can do that. So, Ian, we go to the final player that we'll go to in detail, Aiden Dauble, a freshman. You talked about Jaden Ware, the freshman. Aiden Dauble getting considerable minutes. Here's a kid who plays with a lot of poise, and at that point, 
when he came in, he'll give you rebounds. He'll give you a few solid minutes. He's averaging three and a half a game. But these are the kind of role players that this is just going to build his confidence moving forward. Listen, that kid, I saw him play as a freshman. The first time I saw him play, uh, it, was, no, it, was, it was in eighth grade. I saw him play. I was like, man, he got a sweet stroke. I'm like, okay. I'm like, but I'm like, then he came up and and he wasn't even nervous in, in a varsity game. So I'm looking at this kid like, oh wow. I'm like, and then his intangible that he has. I'm like, he. Well, I talked to Alex and he said he listens very well. He listens to we we've spoken to him and he's like the the, the seniors have really helped me out a lot and it's being the player that I am and being aggressive on the offensive end and being able to help me out on the defensive end, which I'm like, he probably does need to work on a little bit next year, just his speed and his agility on the defensive end. But, man, the kid has a nice he, – he definitely has a nice stroke. Yeah, he, he does. And, and if he's got to work on his defense, it's because prior to now, he was getting buckets all the dog one time and probably didn't have to play a lot of defense, to be honest <laughs> with you, man. Uh you know, uh, Nate played with him last year. When he was in eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Nate's in the ninth grade. And he was a primary scorer for that freshman exit team last year. And, um, you know, he was dropping sometimes 15 to 21 points a game consistently. So the uh, the pedigree is there for Aiden Dobble, right? He's going to be one to watch in the future. Who knows how tall he's going to get. I don't think he'll be an Anthony Cachese as far as the size and the workhorse down low, but he's so versatile that he does a little bit of everything. Outside shooting, rebounding, he can also pass. And um, he can score the basketball. We haven't seen much of that yet because he just there's no room for him to do it yet. There's really no room, but as things go on, he's he, he, I'm going to say it. Other coaches have talked to me about this. He has a chance to be a thousand point scorer here at Exeter Township. Pretty lofty uh, goals. That is pretty lofty goals. That's I mean, what I heard. That's what I heard. But, but That's he, what I heard. But, but if he works, I probably fully agree with you, Mike, because he has he has an inside outside game that he's going to need to be able to score a lot of points. You yep. can't just rely on the three pointer the whole time. Mentioning a few other players who have graced the court. For Exeter this year, Josh Terman, Andrew Bauer, Carter Redding, Brady Murray, Genuine Stutzman, Jaden Ware, and Devin Sharon. Of course, yesterday being the first day of spring sports, mm-hmm. hearing that Devin threw, what, 91 <laughs> on the gun yeah. yesterday? 91 that's, on the gun. That's scary. High school and <laughs> wow. 91. That, that's insanity. Wow. I saw the boys finishing up baseball practice, or maybe they were in the midst of as I pulled up here this afternoon and it's gusty out there as you guys know a beautiful day here in east central pa but certainly if you're baseball you just go play it and uh certainly we look forward to covering some of those games this year jerry yes we will be and but we're not going to start until april 8th or 9th Mm -hmm. because mike boyer and i called a game last year on march 28th and throws our Kaczynski song. Oh, We're not no. doing that again this year. We're going to wait until early April. It yeah. snowed on you that day, if I recall. 
It snowed on us one day in mid-April. <laughs> sleet. We had a day with sleet, rain, and snow. You're well, right, Chair. Well, we we you're you're right. I was there every game, man. They weren't fun games. Well, we we appreciate you looking out for us there. Yeah, we we don't want to be freezing anything <laughs> off. No, uh, no, and, not at and all. And especially those. So thank you very much. All right, we will continue. We'll change pace. Talk about the girls a little bit before we wrap things up here. And before we do that, we've got time for a short break. You're listening to the Exeter Basketball Roundup on the Exeter Sports Network. The new Birdies Inn is your entertainment spot in Exeter. There's something every day of the week. Dancing to the Oldies on Monday, Open Mic Tuesday, Trivia or Live Music on Wednesday, Thursday is Karaoke with Angie, and Live Music Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Entertainment galore, great food, and the friendliest people in Berks County. The New Birdies Inn, 160 Old Freedensburg Road in Exeter. It's the inn thing to do. Check Birdie's Facebook page for the full entertainment schedule. Hurt playing sports? Count on Penn State Health Sports Medicine to help you get back to doing what you love. Weekend warriors and pro athletes get complete care from our skilled sports medicine providers. They'll help you avoid future injuries with a treatment and recovery plan tailored to you. Same day and next day appointments available. Call Penn State Health Sports Medicine at 610-378-2255. That's 610-378-2255. Two two five five. It's the Exeter Sports Network. Fans, if you'd like to be a part of the Exeter basketball round, just give us a call. 610-451-7085. That's 610-451-7085. Guys, we go to the girls and they had a league record of seven and four. Overall, they were eleven and twelve. They were in first place in Division Two. Unfortunately, I think I can say this: six and twenty-seven for the second, third, and fourth place overall records or league records. So, as far as the level of competition, maybe not up to what what you would hope. But needless to say, when you look at the girls, you look at one player in Grace Reedy. Grace Reedy, Grace Reedy, Grace Reedy. This kid is just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. But on this team, when you have one player like we've had last year with Colin Payne, you're just not going to win when time you, you don't have any help on your team. So she's going to her senior season to, in order for them to win. They're definitely going to need a second and third player, which I think that Aliyah Ware and uh, Kapansky, I think that they can step up and, and do some things. Yeah, Nate, when you take a look at the scoring, Grace averaged 22.3 tops. Amazing oh, Grace. Of course. Hey. I'm, I'm Good so job, foc- Jerry. <laughs> I was going to say Amazing Grace, but you're go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm so focused on it that all I heard was the music. It took me a minute to uh, catch up to that. It can happen. So Grace averaged 22.3. That was tops in the girls uh, as far as the girls in Burks. But then, as you mentioned, Ian, Aaliyah Ware at 5.7, Meredith Filippowitz 4.9, uh, Rosie Laverty 4.8, Maggie Kopansky 3.8, 
needed. It's going to, now obviously Grace comes back for her senior season, but like Ian said, you're going to look for somebody else to step up as the boys have to find those double figures to be more competitive. Well, um, you're going to be searching in the daytime with a flashlight uh, to find somebody who can step up and help out and, you know, and just fill some of that void. But, you know, it's up to the coaching staff to really hone in on these girls and not only develop what they don't do well, but cater to what they do well. So, you know, I'll trust the coaching staff to figure that out, and I'll trust the girls to work hard. You know, at the end of the day, I'm sure for them, one of them wants to be the next Grace Reedy, you know, and one of them wants to step up and be a bona fide leader. Uh, there's going to be some more. How many seniors they got coming back next year? Uh, you know what? I, this, I, this Grace Reedy, Grace Reedy, Aliware, um, uh, Kapanski's uh, is going to be a junior. Okay. Um, Laverty left. Um, uh, Noecker is is a senior. So, okay, I, so think, can... I think they have. Uh, Chase Flood, who's a promising freshman that Coach um, Wolf has spoken about mm. that she could bring. Um, but she was only a freshman this year, so she probably was a little bit nervous about playing. Yeah, but I yeah, think that yeah. she has some skills that she could help out this team. Well, and I wonder what kind of off-season things that they have in place, you know. Uh, are they playing in other leagues and outdoor tournament things together like that? Anything to bring cohesiveness to the unit and keep them playing together will help and these are just some growing pains for this team they're young and they're going to get better certainly when you have somebody who will average 22.5 there's something to look forward to <laughs> so there certainly is something to get excited about and there is some younger talent it'll be a younger team predominantly next mm -hmm. year but certainly the opportunity for them to step up and play a contributing factor we'll look forward to that I also think that Coach Wolf has done a wonderful job on my they only had two wins the previous year. So to get to 10 or, or 11 wins, that is a big accomplishment. That is a very good point. Two and 19 a year ago. So ultimately coming up with those wins, uh, a positive to say the least. Two and 19 to yeah. 11 and 12? Yeah, that's a big deal. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's a really big deal. Shout out to Coach Wolf. Get it done, man. Mm -hmm. Get it done. Absolutely. And. One of the things we talk about when you take a look at the game, the, the last game against Wyam missing, it was the quarterfinal uh, of the BCIAA playoffs. Very typical of what we had seen. Grace came out, had a great game, 17, but only three players score. And Rosie had seven, Meredith two. So obviously that's one of those where they are looking for that younger talent to assert themselves and put some points up on that board. They, they, they definitely need... One of those players, or two of those players, to take pressure off of her, Grace, so she can be able to move a little bit free on the court. I'm like, you saw the the wire missing. We are the wire missing game. You know exactly what they did. Um, I'm Jerry. What did they do? Four corners and they they they, they, they sat down and they just double triple team Grace as much as possible because they knew no one else on that team could do anything. Exactly right. And Amaya Stewart took the game over, did she not? Yeah, she absolutely did. I'm like, you, you do not have a body that can match up to her and her skills. I'm like, she had a good ball handling skills. She can finish at the rim, and she can shoot the, the mid-range jumper. So <laughs> when you have a problem like that, you don't have enough defense. And, and the rest of their her teammates, they helped out. Um, Lexi Loeb had 12 points. You know, it's 
you can't. I'm like, they held him to 26. Well, and not for nothing, Amaya Stewart has disrespected a lot of teams this year. Uh, she's just a straight-up yeah. beast, man. I mean, hats off to that kid, I'll tell you that. No, she's talented, very talented. So when we – and I'm going to – oh, there we go. Okay, came back to me, the thought. One of the challenges when you have such a talent as mm-hmm. Grace Reedy, as Ian and I have seen multiple times this past year, Nate, is you get flat-footed. You, you mm-hmm. basically say, okay, you know what, here's the ball, go to it, mm-hmm. which allows the defense that double team, that triple team, to keep her basically from the paint frustrator if she can hit the three or the, the long two. So – that's something that they certainly have to be aware of is a little more motion in that offense so that you don't become so reliant and flat-footed well, and watching her. I think also what you have to do is, you know, if, if you live and die by grace, cool, I get that, right? But now let's talk to Grace about how she can be the true leader on the team and make other people better. Mm-hmm. How can she... Um, be the Zion Paschal, you know, for that team. Can she can she can she get other people involved? Does she like the pass, you know? Is she setting screens and working hard and setting that example that the other younger players will say, hey, if I want more minutes on the court, if I want to make a difference on the court, let me do some of the things that I see Grace does. And hopefully Grace is able to just, you know, step into that role and welcome that extra added work and that extra added, you know, leadership that her coaches are going to want from her. It's got to be hard when when you're the primary scorer and you just want to get buckets. Everybody wants to score, but the more mature players, the team players, want to make everybody better. And there are other players who absolutely can get in double digits. Aaliyah Ware in a game against, let's see here, Hemfield, 12 against Susquehanna Township. She put in 17. You take a look at Meredith Filippowitz, ultimately... 14, 10, and 10. So there are players, younger players, who have the opportunity to be that support that the girls will need, Ian. They've, absolutely, Darren. There are some skilled girls that if they just decide that they're going to work a little bit harder and not be scared to, as soon as they get the ball, that I want to give it to Grace and just be more assertive on the, on the offensive end, mm-hmm. I think that they absolutely can be able to score. And that's what, they, for in order for them to be a, a, have a winning percentage that is on the positive side, they're going to have to be more selfish on the offensive end mm. and not just pass the ball to Grace. I'm like, and, and we talk about unselfish basketball, but, and, and I understand that part, but sometimes you have to be a little bit selfish to take pressure off the star player. Some, go ahead, Nate. No, I was going to say, one thing I always tell people, man, is, Old habits are hard to break, okay? So hopefully they've sat down and they've talked about, hey, the offense isn't give it to grace, give it to grace, give it to grace, okay? Hey, why don't we execute this pick and roll? Hey, how are we doing on our backdoor screens? Are we running our V cuts hard? Are we just doing everything at high capacity, at high tempo, 110% all the time? And those are the little things that will make these other girls better just because they're working that much harder at their craft the hardest part for us Ian, we've been talking about it nate and i know you're you probably feel the same way is we come across as critical 
where ultimately (laughs) that's not how we want to come across. We want to come across as supportive and maybe giving an idea as far as what can we do to get better. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things we put out there in fandom is that we are certainly here to support the kids. And in by no means are oh, we yeah. trying to drag them down oh, yeah. or or go to that level as to say they're not good enough. So. No, we're we're big time homers. If you can't tell, mm-hmm. yeah, that you is know, the on truth. the Exeter Sports Network, yeah, we love the kids, we love the program, um, but we just try to give a realistic assessment of uh, not only the problems but also offering solutions. We might not be coaches, but we are fans first and foremost. No, parents first and foremost, and then fans second. But um, yeah, we love the kids. Jerry love the kids, right, Jerry? <laughs> that is correct. That's right, man. We love the kids, so you know, anytime we can show love and 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 bolster their confidence, we try to do that as well. I'm top of my own kid. That's right. So it makes no difference. I'll criticize him, yeah. and I will criticize any other kid if I feel as though they they're not doing the right things on the basketball court and 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 as a team. He's tough on you. Oh, he is tough on me. <laughs> but I might. Daddy got to put him in his place sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I heard, I heard <laughs> Let him that. know who the king of the castle still hey, is. Hey, man, and don't even get me started on my son because my wife got to pull me up off you sometimes. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, we, we get it. But we love your kids just like we love oh, our yeah. own. We're, we're, we're watching these kids all growing up. So, I'm like, we, we have no animosity can, against Can anybody. I say this? Um, what was it like? Because for me calling Burke's Catholic girls games, um, it was – I never watched that much girls basketball in my life, and I truly appreciated how hard they work and how fundamentally sound they were. And their fundamentals just, you know, really um, highlighted their natural talents. And what was that like for you getting to know the Exeter Eagles girls basketball team? How did you enjoy that, Ian? There's some rough games. <laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. There were some rough games. Yeah. I'm like, that Muhlenberg game, I thought that they would have came out with better energy in that game, and they came out pretty much flat. And But it, they eventually came in and won the game, but the turnovers were just – was just painful for me to watch because I'm like, I know Coach Wolf is not teaching that the way that they return – at the high rate they return the ball over. But I know that – I watched Grace Reedy, and I'm like, oh, my Lord, this kid is just – She's just a one, one of the generation talent of, of a scorer. But it's just it's going to be hard for her to be able to win if she doesn't have any help. And I think that's that's something as far as the girls are concerned that the opportunity is there. Mm-hmm. It's not as if they don't have the players in order for that to happen. Yep. It's they have to develop those players yes. and ultimately for them to have confidence in themselves to know that they can come out and put some points on the board at this level. So. I think certainly a lot of optimism going into next year from the girls. Absolutely. I, th- I think that they have a bright future. I think the, the way that they t- Coach Wolf has spoken about Chase Flood, and he wants Aaliyah Ware to be more aggressive. And I've spoken to her because she's friends with Alex. And I'll tell her, like, shoot the ball. Don't shoot, be, the shoot the ball. I'm like, <laughs> you cannot score if you're not being aggressive on the offensive end. I understand that Grace is the star. Yes, she is. But to help that star, you – and Kapansky and Chase, next year you guys are going to have to step up. They just missed district by percentage points, her dad told me. So, I'm like, they're right there, I think. Wow. And, you know, hopefully having those uh, close misses, you know, like that, 
hopefully that hurts. Mm. You know, hopefully that hurts. And, you know, you remember how that tasted being so close, but yet so far. And it fuels the fire. It fuels the drive. You know, to Ian's point, uh, Grace Reedy is the star, right? And I get it. I'm with it 100%. But she's one star in the universe, in the Exeter universe. There are many stars here. How bright do you young ladies want to shine? You can be as bright as you want to be. Go out and do it. Put your mind to it. We are all behind you. We're cheering for you. And we are with you every step of the way. Absolutely. I'm like, hey, like you said, that pain. I might remember that pain in, um, in Burst Catholic last year. That missed layup. That, you know, it. That it fuels you and drives you to that next step for the next year to and come. What, and what Ian is talking about, just for, for the audience out there, I talked to him about um, Alex Kelsey missing a layup in the, the big game against um, Burks Catholic last year. At, at her, Were we at Hershey or were we at Santander? We're at Santander, yeah. Yeah, and um, you know, I talked to him you know, off, off the court about it, and I just said, hey, man, listen, don't you ever forget how that felt. Don't you ever forget. Because now you know what you got to do to get back. You know how you will feel if you get back there and you let the same thing happen. And it was just a beautiful thing to be able to watch Alex come through that and win again in the big-time games this year. And it came full circle for him. And that's really going to bode well for his senior leadership next year. He's going to be one of these big dogs out here who really makes a difference in how far this team goes. So. Just to put a little uh, perspective on that for the listeners. Friends, I think that puts a bow on our roundup for the boys' year in review. The girls' year in review, of course, congratulations to both teams. A lot of successes on both sides. Now we look forward for the boys. So Friday, March the 10th, they will have their first state home game in Exeter history. It'll be right here at Exeter High School (laughs) against Fox Chapel. And it's going to be one of those where when you take a look at the bracket, if Exeter plays their game, guys, they could have a few more games ahead of them. Absolutely, they could have a few more games ahead of them. But we cannot be sitting here and taking Fox Chapel lightly, okay? Because we won district doesn't mean that we come into this game and we're not prepared and we're not ready to go from the jump. We need to get get in here, make sure our defense is on point, make sure that our offense is sharing the ball the way that we've been doing all season. Um, and I think the sky's the limit. I think they can go very, very far in this state playoffs. So so what do we know about Fox Chapel? Are they, are they supposed to be good? Or are they supposed to be? They're 15 and 11. 15 and 11. So that tells me uh, the record <laughs> You are what your record says you are, right? Who's the coach that said that? I forget. Anyway, well, so that tells me John Wooden or Denny Green. They are who we said we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, don't let them off the hook. You know, um, their their record might not be indicative of how hard they play. I, w- I will say that. But uh, would you say it was fifteen and eleven? Fifteen and eleven. So I mean, they've got some losses. I would call them almost a middle of the road team. But as Zion and Kev stare at me. <laughs> Don't take them lightly, Mm -hmm. all right? You go out there, you give them that one-two punch, and if they don't go to sleep, you step back and you hit them with it again, all right, until they go to sleep because you never know what they have to prove, and you never, ever, ever want to estimate the underdog, underestimate the underdog. Well, I hope hope they're watching the videos because number 11, number Eric Wilson, number 24 on Fox Chapel, he likes to shoot that that jumper from that daggone left side. 
Well, so, you know, I've hey. watched video. Have you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Good, good answer, fellas. Yeah, good answer. <laughs> good answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We watched we watch the See, state. Now, now I've got to be careful what I say because they're listening. And if I give them any fuel to the fire, like telling them that Fox Chapel's two and five over their last seven, they're going to remember that, which wow. you don't remember. You flush it, right, guys? It. Yeah. All yeah, right. Yeah. They, they come in yeah. zero and zero, just like you guys. All right. <laughs> you know, so as long as they come in and, and they're ready to work, I think that they should handle their business. But you have to come in and you cannot be taking the team lightly. So every team is a dangerous team, especially when it comes to this time of year. That's right. Um, zero, zero really is your, your record after every single playoff game, man. It doesn't matter who you are, and we can look at the stats. We can talk about hypotheticals and this, that, and the third, but I always say that's why they play the game. Mm -hmm. You step out there in the hardwood, and you know what? 6'5 don't always look like 6'5. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I might feel 6'5 today, so um, mm -hmm. I know that our, our guys will come out there. They'll be prepared, confident, and ready to roll. Just taking a look at Fox Chapel, if there's anything that we can give you, they're six and six at home, eight and three away, one and two at a neutral site. Uh, let's see here. Just taking a look as if there was anything. They average 56.3 points per game. 56.3 points a game. How many have they given up? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> well, that, that is a very good question. Uh, don't see that, but as I take a look, they average 28 rebounds per game, almost 11 assists per game. Now, this I don't think is right. This is the dreaded max prep, so I'm mm -hmm. not even going to go there. Yeah. Uh, as far as steals per game, it seems to be uh, a little higher than it should be. Inflated? Uh, yeah, close to eight. <laughs> it's like, I doubt it. Okay. Uh, but then 1.2 blocks per game. So, obviously, 56 points. They can put some points on the board. Mm -hmm. But as we've seen with Exeter's defense, and like you said, They've got a guy who can shoot, so ultimately Exeter will have to keep him at the perimeter and keep a hand in his face, unlike the one game where, of course, that kid put up, you know, Drew put up four three-pointers. So it's one yeah. of those don't let him get rolling early, uh, well, put a hand in his face and shut him down. Well, well Drew Chamberlain wasn't the, their, their, their star, uh, their star yeah, player. It was like it was, six it was, or seven it was, off it was, the bench. It was, it was uh, Trent Cole, and we just locked him up, so – you know, I'm like, usually they're really good with their leading, whoever the leading scorer is on the other team. They really just, I'm like, it's either Alex or Zion that's going to really going to put a check on that guy and make sure, sure he doesn't get free. And a really good example of that was um, Zion Paschal playing against Ryan Cook mm -hmm. um, against, for, for Brooks Catholic. Mm -hmm. And I just couldn't believe that Zion at, what, 5'6", 5'7", on a good day, wearing cleats um was locking down this six foot four long kid who could shoot and i was like oh my god that's a mismatch why aren't they attacking zion paschal in the post with cup and then you know as the game went on and the fourth quarter hit me it was because zion wasn't having it mm -hmm. straight up and down i'm not having it i'm going to be more physical than you I want this more than you, and I'm going to take you out of your game. And I'll go back and I'll look at the uh, the score from it just to kind of see what Cuck had. But I think Cuck had, like, less than eight points mm -hmm. that game. And I was just flabbergasted. But that's a really good example of what you're talking about here. A, a real weird thing. I think that was the game that, that I mentioned during the game 
to guest center Zion Paschal already had six rebounds at the beginning of the second quarter. Okay, Zion is a strong kid. So if you want to sit down here and think that, oh, he's he's only 5'9", or whatever the heck he is, he is big hands, and he's a strong lower body that I'm like, he'll get, once he gets in, in to cook, Look here, man. I'm like, it was probably all over because I'm like, he's making him feel all that strength that he has on him. Similar in the Mannheim Central Championship game, the Barons had several guards. Now, Gru probably went 5'9", but they had several other guards who were probably 6'2", 6'3". Zion matched up against him, giving up five, six, seven inches, but he chested him up and said, go ahead and try it, and he <laughs> shut him down. So it was... It's, it doesn't matter as far as the uh, height is concerned. And they do a fantastic job of recognition. You know, you try to come out, set a high screen so that he has to fight through it. They do a fantastic job. And I'll, I'll say Zion and Alex and Kevin and Teddy, they do a great job of recognizing the high pick. They run through it, either behind it, in front of mm -hmm. it, whatever the case is. Mm -hmm. But a, just a fantastic job of recognition. And subsequently, that has... Uh, you know, spurned as far as that defense. So here's a question: Is it is it the coaching decision of uh, of a coach Ashcroft to say, "Hey, like, how do you know that I can put Zion on the second leading score or the number one leading score on any given team, and it's going to work?" You know, I, I wonder how he came to that conclusion. Had he tried it out in other game scenarios? I'll be curious to find that out from him the next time we get a chance to interview that guy. Well, I just think that he, I'm like, he knows what the, his defenders are capable of doing. Yeah. I'm like, he knows what Alex can do. He knows what Zion can do. Yeah. And I feel as though he, he can switch either one of them out on their, their best player, mm -hmm. and he knows it's going to work because he's. I mean, they're not going to go under the screen if he's a shooter. Yeah. They're, they're going straight over. They, they're trying over. to get through. Yep. I'm like, you know, because you don't want to give that shooter that space. That's so right. he, he, he knows. He knows. He knows. Very, very, very interesting. And, you know, we'll let him off the hook. We won't grab him as he's walking by. We'll let him <laughs> off the hook. We're just talking about you, Coach. That's all. <laughs> We're just talking about you. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, it's all good. Oh, man. Yeah, see you, see you, Coach. All right. See you Friday, Coach. Well, fans, we're going to wrap it up here. Nate, any final words? We have gone through the gambit on Exeter basketball, the 22-23 season. We're going into more postseason for the boys. What are your thoughts? Um, final words for me. Number one, I want to give a big shout-out to Harper for his call in today. We thoroughly enjoyed you, Harper. I'm sure you're still listening to the broadcast. Thank you for the love and support. And um, call in again because we'll do this again. I just want to say thank you to all of our sponsors out there. You know, they, they help us make this happen. And we want to make sure that we always put them in the best light we can. Right, Jerry? Absolutely. I mean, you're, you're not going to hear a bad word about Penn State <laughs> Health St. Joseph Medical Center for me. That's right. It's uh, This is where I go for my, my health care. I go to Penn State. I go to Penn State Health. That's right. It's and, my spot. And, and Birdie's Inn, you know, what a great place to be at. You know, the first time I met you guys was at Birdie's. And I genuinely had a great time. I got some, some wings there. I got wings and fries, and they were great. They taste good. The libations were cold. <laughs> and the environment was what you wanted it to be. It was a, a warm, friendly, Exeter Township environment. Got to love that spot. We were just there Thursday night after the game. Not only Thursday, I was there Sunday afternoon. <laughs> yes, Darren was because he, he uh, texted me and said, hey, we're at Birdie's. Come and join us. Well, the kids are coming over for dinner. 
Is that what I sound like in a text? That's exactly. <laughs> is that it? So when I text you, when I text you, it's, hey, it's Darren. You know? There's a little more of a southern draw. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Oh, man. That's good to know. I've, I never knew that before. Ian, any last words? Like you said, I'm like, I'd like to thank you guys. I'm like, this has been a great year. Uh, and, and we're hoping, hopefully, it continues into a state uh, playoff championship. Um, but it's been really enjoyable, man. I, I'm really appreciate it. Amen. It truly has been. And we, while we're speaking of birdies, that was mine and Ian's first date. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh. <laughs> we hammered out the deal for him to come and do this. Wow. At wow. Everything happens at birdies. Everything happens at birdies. Remember man. the times. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I'm. Like, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the Eagles can have a, another five more games in them to play and. Let's, let's make this a good ride. After that love fest, I'm not exactly sure which direction I'm supposed to go, but I'm going to close this out. How's that sound? No, but to echo as far as what Nate, Jerry, and Ian have said, thank you to the sponsors. Harper, thanks for calling in. Sorry about those technical difficulties, but we appreciate you. Everybody else, hey, Friday night, March 10th, get to the gymnasium, listen to us. Yeah, there might be a little bit of a delay, but trust me, it's worth it. If you can't get to the gym Get on Jerry Gelliff Media, the Exeter Sports Network. Take a listen. We promise we try to bring you top-notch broadcasting every single game. We are privileged to be able to bring you Exeter athletes, and we look forward, of course, to one more and, of course, several after that. So for Ian Kelsey, for Nate Govan, producer Jerry Gelliff fans, thank you so much all season long. We'll hear you Friday, or you'll hear us on the Exeter Sports Network. Have a great evening. Thank you for joining us for the Exeter Basketball Roundup. Brought to you by our friends at Penn State Health St. Joseph Medical Center on the web at pennstatehealth.org. Thanks go out to the athletes, coaches, administrators, and everyone who have helped make these broadcasts happen. And thank you for listening all year long to the Exeter Sports Network. This has been a presentation of Jerry Gallup Media.